Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. So the Fena Sutta, step, uh, class 7 of 12. When I first restored this, this was one of those where um, I gained a lot of insight into it. It was, it was a, a moment of, how did the Buddha say it? I can't remember his words, but um, it was a it was a meaningful moment, and it helped inform the rest of my Dhamma practice because I finally understood the five clinging aggregates in the way I think the Buddha taught it. The Fenasutta, the Buddha was staying with the Avajans on the banks of the Ganges River. He addressed those assembled, friends. Suppose that a large glob of foam was floating down the river. And a person with good eyesight saw it and clearly examined it. Examined it. To them, it would appear empty, void, without any substance. For what substance could there be in a, blo a glob of foam? In the same way, any practitioner well-versed in the Dhamma observes and appropriately examines any form that is past, future, or present, any form that is internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or extraordinary, near or far. So there's a word in there that is so important. Appropriate, or two words. Appropriately examined. So what, do we, what does that mean? It means we're looking at things now from the framework of the Eightfold Path. That's appropriately examined. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, that's us, it would appear empty, void, without any substance. For what substance could there be in foam? that is not clinging, that is constantly changing, parentheses. Now suppose that in the rainy season, it is raining fat, heavy drops, and a water bubble appears and disappears on the water. A person with good eyesight sees this and clearly examines it. The water bubble would appear empty, void, and without substance. For what substance could there be in a water bubble? Again, very common um, objects. You know, the Buddha is not getting into something grandiose to describe the five clinging aggregates. He's just saying, this is what it looks like. In the same way, any practitioner well-versed in the Dhamma observes and appropriately examines any feeling that is past, future, or present, any feeling that is external or internal, obvious or subtle, common or extraordinary, near or far. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, it would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance could there be in feelings that are constantly changing? What? What substance could there be in the feelings that we that we base most of our life on? I feel this way, I feel that way, you make me feel this way, good or bad. The Buddha continues. Now suppose during the hot season, a mirage was shimmering. A person with good eyesight sees it and clearly examines it. The mirage would appear empty, void, and without substance. For what substance could there be in a mirage that is constantly changing? In the same way, any Dhamma practitioner well-versed in the Dhamma observes and appropriately examines any perception that is past, future, or present, any perception that is internal or external, 
obvious or subtle, common or extraordinary, near or far. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, it would appear empty, void, and without substance. For what substance could there be in perceptions that are constantly changing? Except we create entire identities and um, tribal connections at best with these things that we associate with, that we think are us. We look for other people who, who might think like this just to validate what we're feeling instead of recognizing this feeling is agitating to me. And I, it, I'm looking at it from the point of view of salvation rather than is it leading me to awakening, to understanding. And when you see it that way, when you clearly examine it, when it's, it's not Dhamma, you simply let it go. And we talk about that often. Keep your, keep your Dhamma practice pure. Keep it as taught, as presented here. And as the Buddha teaches, you will awaken. In the well-versed in the Dhamma, it would appear empty, void, and without substance. For what substance could there be in perceptions that are constantly changing? Now, suppose that a person with good eyesight is seeking heartwood. Heartwood is uh, hardwood. Not all wood is hardwood. A person with good eyesight is seeking heartwood. In seeking heartwood, they went to a forest with a sharp axe. There they find a large banana tree. They cut it at the root and remove the top. They peel away the outer skin and fail to find any sapwood, to say nothing of finding heartwood. Having good eyesight, they clearly, clearly examine the banana tree, and the tree would appear empty, void, without substance, in regard to heartwood. For what substance could there be, heartwood, in a banana tree? <coughs> in relation to what he's seeking. So it doesn't mean that banana trees aren't a good thing. It's nice when you're hungry and you find a couple bananas growing. But in the context that he's teaching it, that's not what, we, what he's looking for. In the same way, any practitioner well-versed well in the Dhamma observes and appropriately examines any fabrications that are past, future, or present, any feeling that is internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or extraordinary, near or far. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, fabrications would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance could there be in fabrications that are constantly changing? So does everybody understand that at, at the, well, I'm going to say at the most basic level, but it's not that deep. You know, a fabrication is, is rooted in ignorance of four noble truths and taking whatever the object is personally. And the Buddha simply says, abandon that. It's I making. Now suppose a magician were to display a magic trick and a person with good eyesight clearly sees the trick. The trick would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance could there be in a magic trick? We often talk about becoming enchanted with our own ignorance, and that relates to this, that we're playing a magic trick on ourselves. In the same way, any practitioner well-versed in the Dhamma observes and appropriately examines any consciousness that is past, future, or present, any consciousness that is internal or external, I'll explain that in a minute. Obvious or subtle, common or extraordinary, near or far. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, any consciousness, any ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths, would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance could there be in consciousness that is permanently rooted in ignorance of four noble truths? So in the beginning of the uh, Dhammapada, the first line is from 
Ignorance of four noble truths comes fabrications. And from fabrications comes consciousness and the whole realm of stress and suffering. When we're so enamored with our thinking. Hold on a second. When we're so enamored with our thinking, whether it's because of uh, tribal approval or just or we're infatuated with our thinking, that's the block, you know, and that's the that's always the block. We're not willing to let go of certain things. And I see it all the time. And it doesn't mean that somebody that I notice this and is practicing the Dhamma wrong. They're they're engaged in right effort, but they seem to make exceptions to a few different things. Sometimes it's work, sometimes it's spouse, sometimes it's, it's children. But that's what they take and say, nah, the Dhamma really can't apply here. And that's where they get stuck. But that's what the Buddha's teaching here. It's all like foam on, a, on the water. To those well-versed in the Dhamma, the Buddha continues, any consciousness, ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance, would appear empty without substance. For what substance could there be in consciousness that is impermanent and rooted in ignorance of four noble truths? Any reason to be enamored with your thoughts and your thinking and what you think about yourself in the world? They're all impermanent. And if you cling to them, even if they're compassionate thoughts and you create an identity from them, there you go. Now you got problems. Now there's dukkha. The Buddha continues, seeing these five aggregates clearly, the well-instructed follower of the Dhamma grows disenchanted with form. This is how we awaken. Seeing these five aggregates as they clearly are, the well-instructed follower of the Dhamma grows disenchanted with form, disenchanted with feeling, disenchanted with perception, disenchanted with fabrications, and dis disenchanted rooted with think sorry, with thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Then he says, they grow disenchanted with the five clinging aggregates. That's liberation, my friends. Disenchanted, they grow dispassionate. And this is where people can get hung up because for a while until this is integrated, it can seem like an incredibly bland existence. And I've even had people get to this point and say, it can't be this, this can't be it. But the answer is just go a little bit farther and see yourself in the world without any of these five clinging aggregates. And they, they usually do, not everyone. Disenchanted, they grow dispassionate. Through dispassion, they are released. With release, there is a knowledge that they are released. We know it. They know that birth has ended. The fully integrated life has been lived, integrated with the Eightfold Path. And the path now complete. They know there will be no more moments, you know, they know there'll be no more moments rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Imagine that. That's liberation, my friends. Then he reminds us, foam is like a glob of, four, four is like a glob of foam, feeling a bubble, perception a mirage, fabrications of banana tree, all without substance. Consciousness a magician's trick. When you observe them and appropriately examine them, no eye-making, it is clear they are empty, void, and without substance. To anyone who sees them clearly, they are empty of ignorance. So this is another sutta that teaches the whole enchilada. 
a lot of the other suttas are, are we teached so that you can understand this, including this review. Buddha, Buddha's words, beginning with the body, when seen with profound discernment, as taught by the Buddha, right? It's got to be taught by the Buddha. It's probably not going to work. As taught by the Buddha, form is rejected and cast aside. We're tired of it. We know what it's done to us. When bereft of wrong views, the emptiness of form is seen clearly like a magic trick. An idiot's babbling. It's not often that the Buddha uses strong words, but he's describing something very well here. No substance is found here. A well-informed Dhamma practitioner, their persistence aroused, right? We're, we're, we're curious and we're, we're present for this moment. Their persistence aroused should continually view the aggregates mindful and alert, right? We don't forget about them. We view them with mindfulness and alertness. They should discard greed, aversion, and deluded thinking and make themselves their own refuge. Do it, my friends. And take to the Dhamma as if their hair was on fire. I already did that. In hopes of gaining Nibbana. That's the Buddha's wonderful words from the Kana Sutta. I think I saw a few of you awaken during that. We'll see. Um, I never go to Brian first, so let me go to Brian first. <laughs> he used to go to me first all the time and it's it's been a while so i appreciate i appreciate the reprieve uh i don't know if i awoken but i didn't fall asleep so that's that's half the battle boy Brian, uh, i feel the same way i haven't slept in two days but... yeah maybe you should go do that <laughs> i'm gonna try tonight uh, good 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 um yeah, the 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 magic trick. You don't you don't see the magic trick until you've developed enough concentration to follow the magician's hands. And if you don't yeah. you don't spend time in meditation to develop that concentration, you're not going to see all of the interplay between the aggregates, and they'll just continue to feel like a unified entity. Uh, and it's with yeah. with that concentration that you are able then to to break them apart into their constituent components and see them acting independently. Um, yeah, and it just key. it just yeah. takes time and practice. So yeah. thank you. And some of the texts, even some of the texts that I restored, the Buddha refers to uh, the five clinging aggregates as the the five skandhas or khandas, right. and that's often interpreted as a heap. Right. And it's a good it's a good word on one hand but it really doesn't describe the problem you know you're a heap of ignorance when they're running but this suit explains what to do with them thank you brian thanks for being here hello jane hi john uh, thank you for the teaching i'm just going to say ditto to what uh, brian just said you can't, can't say, say that anymore. It. No. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. I'm cheating. You know. <laughs> Thank you both. I don't think so, Glad you joined us. Thank Hello, you. Hello, Raquel. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, John. Thanks for the teaching. I will um, observe the noble silence. Did you get a somewhat of an understanding of what we were teaching tonight? You don't have to. You could just say pass too. But no, I I I'm still trying to understand uh, 
I actually I read earlier when I asked you which one, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, sutta we are going to cover tonight, but I couldn't uh, fully understand. I didn't have a chance to um, read further in trying to understand, but I, I'm still trying to digest that. And uh, why don't you give it a day or so, and then I'll post it. The uh, I'll post it probably tomorrow. Um, so Thursday or any time after that, listen to it again and see if you mm -hmm. gain any insight. And if you want to talk to me about it, send me an email. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Raquel. Hello, Thank Tracy. You. Mind being on camera? No. Is Tracy on camera? Thanks so much for this teaching. Um, it's definitely a mind-bending <laughs> sutta. Um, but I think to Brian's point, it makes much more sense when you don't think about it intellectually, but uh -huh. more so from the position of jhana. Like yeah. one of the things I noticed in my meditation tonight, um, it was very noisy upstairs. Yeah. And I was just like, so like concentrate on the breath, you know, like, yeah. and I, and I noticed that that is a, you know, like what Brian was saying, it's like, I'm concentrating, but at the same time, there's still a part that is clinging. Yeah. And I'm, I see it there, sort of, like in my mind's eye, I see the clinging, but I still am having a hard time. Not a hard time, but I'm, I never got to the, the place where that was just background noise and it was impermanent and I was okay with it. And I think that there's, I'm realizing in meditation that, there's so many layers of that kind of thing. Yeah. And the more you meditate, the more you just realize you might not be able to stop doing it, but you're like, mm, am I making somewhere here in this yeah, moment? That, that's all you need. I can't really place where it is, but yep. it's somewhere because I feel that tension in the body. Yeah. Yep. And I think the only way to identify that is when you have moments where you don't feel any of that tension in the body. Yeah, and those tend to just happen, but as a consequence of a well-focused Dharma practice, as you have. So um, I would say, you know, and give it a day or two and listen to it again and see if it, if it makes more sense to you and how to apply it. And if you want to give me an email, give me an email. Okay. Thank you. Glad you joined us. Hello, David. Being instructed. start experiencing that veil of delusion rise and as you're experiencing you're more aware of it where before just was the things that come and go and sometimes you were angry about something and then you were not 10 minutes later and now you're aware of it and that's that yeah. that jhana deepening and that mindfulness of that that moment happening where that's the delusion and that's what, when the delusion is no longer there, you see these aggregates for yeah. what they are. Yeah. They're impermanent. They are not what you are. They're empty. And I've seen people in class uh, years ago, it almost be, and take it very personal that this, of course, is me. It's not a bubble. It's not a normal, uh, you know, foam. Okay. This is what I am. But if you really think about how, 
these things that you hold so dearly are not permanent. You know, something yeah. that you believed in five years ago has shifted to something else. So it's not hard set in stone things. So why take it so personally and, you know, entrenched? So that's that veil of, you know, delusion. Yeah, and that's why we, the practice is about disentangling ourselves from our own entanglements, not staying connected and always clinging to the world. In every meditation session, we say the same thing, don't we? So this is the basic practice, even though it seems a little, um, it might seem a little, I was going to say not contextual, but I think the context is obvious. The context of just what Tracy described was her being a little frustrated why this isn't like, you know, working in a sense. But then she's also acknowledging that it, maybe that's what it is. It, it's just being aware. Yeah. And it's not this like perfect thing that I have down and yeah. I'm no longer distracted by the guy clumping around upstairs. <laughs> That, that's what's happening. Like how Jen teaches so nicely. That is what's happening. That's just there what's is happening. People clumping yeah. around upstairs. Clomping it's around. like not getting upset about it, but just. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, it's so rare that we have noise upstairs. So we're lucky. Yeah. We're lucky. Yeah. So again, it's just like I think this practice is a gentle one where this isn't turning you into this perfect thing that's not bothered by anything. It's a lot of just being aware of things happening and yeah. being fine with it. Yeah, it's definitely not a practice that leads to aloofness. In fact, it's just yeah. the opposite. We're very present. Um, oh, there was a book years ago called Future Shock by Alvin Toffler. It's a great book. Um, it, it remains somewhat relevant to what's going on today. But anyway, I always remember a line in there. He said, time is the currency of exchange that makes all things possible. That's why we practice the Dhamma. We have time. Take to it like your hair is on fire or your head. Thank you, everyone. We'll finish with Meta as we always do. I'm a little bit under the weather. I hope it didn't show too much. It's become a distraction. I'm not going to die tonight. Well, maybe I will. So, uh, the Karaniya Metta Sutta. The Buddhist words on Metta. Uh, describing the qualities of an awakened human being. Can't get there. I have enough of the trouble with, it, with my... Give me a moment, please. Okay. Um, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. 
They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, down free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, and having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Feel better. Thank yeah. you. Get some rest. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here, and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.